Welcome to the Batman Tasticast, celebrating the 30th anniversary of the greatest animated television series of all time, Batman the Animated Series. Our podcast offers a deep dive into each episode in a full series retrospective from two nerds who really like Batman. Seated across the table from me, he's a man who wears many hats, but the best hat of all is the hat of my dad. My dad, Mike Staub. <laughs> and across the table from me, I have to wish him a very happy unbirthday, Mr. Jordan Hugh. <laughs> very good. Uh, yeah, so today we're going to be discussing uh, Season 1, Episode 27 of Batman the Animated Series, Mad as a Hatter, which of course is the introduction of longtime series favorite villain of me, the Mad yes. Hatter. And a great villain uh, nonetheless. And I will say, as an English guy, uh, and I don't mean as a person from England, <laughs> no, I as mean an as, a, teacher, as an yeah. English teacher, how, how much more do you like the Mad Hatter and this episode because of his attachment to specifically Alice in Wonderland. I, I think that's a huge part of it. So I remember this was one of my favorite episodes and Mad Hatter was one of my favorite characters from uh, a childhood watching this series because of the Alice in Wonderland association. I don't know why. I've just, I've always liked Alice in Wonderland like as a story. Yes. I've liked the mythos around it. I've liked the characters, the images, the artwork, um, the Disney film. Not the Tim Burton Disney film. I mean, the animated Disney film. Yes. Um, I just, I love all that iconography and the Wonderland story. And then now you combine that with Batman and it's like a dream come true for me. I want to be clear. I don't approve of Mad Hatter's behavior or anything he does in this episode. But I, as a kid, always really appreciated when it was a Mad Hatter episode. Even when it was a bad one, like Worry Man. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Mad Hatter is just... He's an interesting character. I think they they did a little bit better um, with him in terms of making him more palatable for yeah. like a TV audience and for kids. Because I mean, the Mad Hatter's original version in the comic books was that he was he, he kidnapped people, kidnapped kids specifically children. So yeah, that's like the second iteration of the character. The first iteration yes. is literally just a guy who commits hat crimes. Yes, hat-related crimes, <laughs> hat like related Rob, crimes. Rob's hats. But that, of course, is not like the version we're, we're dealing with. You're right. No, he is... Um, well, the Mad Hatter, like, uh, him being involved in a story brings up some uncomfortable conversations. Like, are they going to do it where it's like, okay, is he a pedophile? Because they've done that angle on him yes. as well. Which, which which I don't think you really need no. to because there's already a lot there in terms of his kind of... Uh, obsession and yeah. his uh, mistreatment of others and his needs to be, you know, his need to be in control. Like, those things are already interesting without him also needing to, you know, be sexually attracted to children. Like, we don't really need that. Yeah, I mean, him being obsessed with Alice in Wonderland alone is interesting. Because <laughs> and creepy, and yes. Cr super creepy, because Alice in Wonderland in itself is, is a little creepy. There's a creep factor there. Um, do you think so? Well, for sure. Well, here's the thing. It's like you really can't divorce Alice in Wonderland from like Lewis Carroll himself or who is, Charles yeah. Arthur Dodgson, right? Who, because we know he was obsessed with Alice Liddell with that yes. little girl. So yeah, the, the pedophilia element is already kind of in there. Yeah. It's not in this episode. No. It's not in the animated series iteration of the Mad Hatter. But what is there, and we're going to have some good conversations about it today, I think is this idea of the uh, entitled... Beta male. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
He is very, uh, by 2023 standards, Jervis Tetch is very, is it Jarvis, Jervis, right? Yeah, Jervis. It's Jervis, Jervis Tetch is very much an incel. Yeah. He's very much friend zone. Yeah. I was watching this episode and I'm like, oh, this is very, yeah. very 8chan, right? This mm-hmm. is very, very, it obviously the, um, what he does in this episode is not as disastrous as some of the things we've seen from some of these folks. Uh, in the real world, but I think that's just because it's a kid's cartoon. I, I, I actually, feel like yeah. I had the exact same thoughts. Yeah, yeah, watching it, and and in the modern context, I thought, okay, this is like a flag for the incel community, and it it doesn't validate them no, in no, any no, way. No, 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 no. But I was like, okay, that's it's very much drawing on that. Well, yeah, it's you know, I think what happens is is I think a lot of these when it comes to these situations, I think a lot of these guys have an obsession the only future they see is with, and as the Man Hatter does in this episode, right? The only future he sees is with Alice. Right. The, the second he finds out Alice has a boyfriend. First of all, the fact that her name is Alice is just, you know, on the nose and convenient in the right way. Yeah. Um, the second he finds out she has a boyfriend, his whole world falls apart and he turns into a supervillain. So <laughs> it's like, right. it's like, oh, okay, that's exactly, it's funny because it's, it's, 30 years, 25, 30 years before we would see this much more frequently in our day-to-day lives. Right. Well, and that it would be part of like sort of the current conversation yeah. about um, where we stand in terms of, I'm going to use some words that people don't like, but okay. uh, please know I mean everything well-intentioned. Um, it, it's very much an episode that comes up in our current conversations regarding male entitlement, uh, the patriarchy. Um, you know, how much men are sort of in competition with one another as alphas and betas yep. or all that horrible stuff that really sucks to have to talk about, but is very much a part of reality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a reason Billy looks the way he does in this yeah. episode and Jervis yeah. Tetch looks the way that he does. Yeah. You know, those are those are really intentional. Exactly. Um He is I do think that Jervis is a bit older, right? As we can, I can't tell. Can't really tell. Uh, I, I, he must be. I, clearly, this is a girl that's supposed to be younger than him. Yeah. Clearly, Billy's younger than him. I don't know how old he's supposed to be. He could be, yeah. as far as we know, a contemporary of Bruce. Maybe someone in his mid to late thirties. Yeah, he could be even older. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. But um, you know, he's clearly in a position of power here. He's obsessed with this girl, Alice. And you know, you would think that his intentions are benign. But they're really not. Like he kind of hides the this this he hides his evil behind the fact that he's like, well, he's just this sweet guy that she works with. Yeah. Well, the episode sort of turns right. It's kind of like, okay, he's this guy. He has a crush on a girl. She's younger than him. She's out of his league. This yeah. could be any man's yeah. story, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But whereas any normal man would just be like, yeah, it's never going to happen. I'll move on. Or where some men would even try to press it a little bit. As soon as you see that she's not interested, or uh, only friendship is possible, yeah. or even just you know, take a look at yourself and be like, "This is never going to happen." Most people would stop there. He goes the extra mile and he, just falls off into madness. Madness. Yeah, he goes. He gets mad. He becomes mad as a hatter. Now, the the other thing too is that he even acknowledges this. He does. He says early in the episode, you know. You know, I should just say, all right, that's it. I don't have a chance. I'll move on, but I can't, essentially. I forget what his actual words yeah. are. We'll probably get to that when we get to that scene. We but. will. He has self-awareness. Yes. He understands that he is not uh, appropriate for her, mm-hmm. but he 
has a dream he and does. he's gonna pursue it he does. and that's why we have an episode that's why batman gets involved um yeah a couple things i wanted to talk about before we kind of hopped right in so uh i guess the next thing to talk about is that we don't have just any voice actor doing no. mad hatter no, no, he's no. not just somebody on andrea romano's roster of yeah. voice actors this is the legendary roddy mcdowell yes who i guess most people know best from the planet of the apes movies i think so Right, because he played uh, Cornelius and Caesar in the original Planet of the Apes film series, um, and then he was um, in the spin-off TV series as well. And I, I don't mean this disparagingly; I mean this with great admiration. He is like one of like the kings of B movie actors. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's in so many movies and television series, and it's not usually very acclaimed stuff. No, like this is not an Oscar no. nominated actor, right? But um, he's. Such a veteran of yeah. stage and screen, uh, TV and film. Very recognizable. He's in some of the most famous movies ever made. He's in The Longest Day. He's in Greatest Story Ever Told. Um, he's in, you know, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, The Poseidon Adventure, Funny Lady. I mean, the list goes on and on. On and on and on. I mean, if you look at this list that you've you've supplied here, it's it's pretty comprehensive. Fright Night. That's, so that's my favorite appearance by him yeah. is Fright Night. But yeah. um, uh, really good stuff. And then this voice acting performance actually comes sort of towards the end of his career. Yeah. Uh, in doing stuff, it's not the very end, but it's it's in in among his final projects. And I think someone like like um, like Roddy McDowell in this situation um, is perfect for a character like the Mad Hatter. Oh yeah. Because he's giving this incredible performance that's like a B movie. Right. A little over the top. Just a little too much. But it's not too much to a point where, like, it turns you off from watching it. It's like it fits. Sure. It fits. And he's doing a really great job here. It's very good. And he plays the two versions of the characters yes. really well. Because he plays, oh, the pulled-in Jervis very well, very, oh, sympathetic. Oh, but he also plays, oh, the bombastic Mad Hatter. Yeah. <laughs> and he has that um, stage villain. Yeah. Uh, thing yeah. down really well. Yeah, he's got that swagger. Um, so he plays the charisma of the supervillain part, and he plays the um, uh, the, the the pitifulness yeah. of the Jervis character yeah. really well too. Yeah. It's it's one of my favorite voice acting yeah. performances. It's, it's you know, very, in, very in the good. series. Very very good. Um, so I, I wanted to bring up something uh, before we get a little further into this. Yeah, please. Um, I noticed that they used the John Tenniel art. They did. Now, I wonder if they got the rights for that or they just kind of pulled it. Because I, I have... I don't think you need rights for that. I think it's so old oh, it's, it's now it's in the public, public domain. domain. Yeah. I do really like that they did that. Yeah. I really like that when you see the Mad Hatter or when you see his Alice in Wonderland poster, yeah. um, you see his... You see that, and you also see that this version of the Mad Hatter is almost designed to look like that art. Yeah, they just kind of recolorized yeah. Um, yeah. the Tenniel art to look like Jervis. They gave yeah. it blonde hair and blue eyes, yes. and you know, they made it very specific to his appearance. Um, so John Tenniel is a Victorian artist, for the folks that don't know that at home, and he was the original illustrator for Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass, and I think... Um, yeah, I, uh, Mike, I think you're right. I think anytime we see this artwork, because it's also on our title card for this episode, yeah, I is. think it is just straight up the Tenniel art. It, is, it the, is not a reproduction. No, I think it's just, yeah, it's straight up the Tenniel art. Um, I actually have a, a copy of Alice in Wonderland that has a bunch of his art in it. Yeah, I would say really nice. if anyone has like the classic yeah. original copy, you have those illustrations, yeah. which are, I think, just as famous as the text I itself, because so. we so. all 
like as a people have the same image of like Mad Hat or White Rabbit and Alice and the famous yeah. characters in our mind because of Tenniel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is pretty great. Um, yeah, no, I thought I thought that was a great include for sure. Um, what was that Alice in Wonderland live action show they had on Disney TV, Disney the Disney Channel? The live action show? Yes, where like she was like a teenage girl in modern times and she would go through the looking glass. I don't know this at all. All right. I feel like it's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland or something like that. But there have been a couple of live action adaptations. Yeah. There's actually um a particularly good one that frightened me as a child was the one that had like Carol Channing. Oh my god. As the White Queen and Sammy Davis Jr is in that one oh, wow. and I I am actually Oh, I think Roddy McDowell is in that one, but he's not the Mad Hatter. I think he's actually the March Hare. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it was a uh, miniseries in 1985. Yeah, Roddy McDowell played the March Hare in the version that I'm speaking about, which was, by the way, it was like a terrifying and quite long TV miniseries of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and parts of Through the Looking Glass yeah. that kind of reinvented how the encounters happen. Cool. And the Jabberwocky is like this terrifying thing in oh, that Oh, that's one. awesome. Um, there was a later one in the 90s, I believe... Um, I believe Gene Wilder was the Mock Turtle and Martin Short played the Mad Hatter in the later, ver- later version. Of course, um, I-, I think all of these at least have some light influences on yeah. what they're doing with Mad yeah. Hatter here. I'm not sure about the timeline on that 90s version, but um, I think Roddy McDowell's credentials as having played the March Hare previously probably helped them along as being like, oh yeah, he'd be a good, good and, Mad Hatter. And also, you say, as you put here in the notes, he was also in an episode of the 66 Batman show. Yes, but as a different character. So in the 66, he plays Bookworm. Ah, Bookworm. In uh, Batman, The Bookworm Turns, which is a, that's a 1966 uh, episode. It was probably very good. <laughs> um, probably not. Probably I don't not. remember I don't it at all. So. I haven't seen a lot of the 66, No, I, that's, a, that's It's a little bit of a black hole for me. I remember watching it here and there as a kid, but never really remember much of it at all yeah so what are your thoughts on mad hatter just as a villain in general not even in the animated series just like when he shows up in comics are you excited to see him do you like this character i like the mad hatter i think the mad hatter mad hatter's best stuff outside of this episode in the animated series because i do like him in the animated series a lot he's awesome in the arkham games Okay. Where he does something to make Batman hallucinate and Batman has to wear like this stupid rabbit mask and <laughs> yeah, it's like a mystery thing. It's really cool and scary. Like he's yes. scary and gross. He should be scary and gross. Yeah. I think that's the best use of him. Yeah. You know what's one of the worst uses of him but it looks so good is he's in all of the Tim Sale, Jeff Loeb yes. collaborations. Yes, like yes, he's yes. in Long Halloween, Dark Victory, whatever. Which makes uh, sense. You know, he's in that stuff. But he's always reduced to, like, the most idiotic, stupid yeah. version of himself. Yeah. Like, he's just saying nursery rhymes and doing, yeah. you know, weirdness. But he looks so good. Yep. Like, that artwork is, is great. Yeah, I, he's, I think uh, Tim Sale did the artwork for him on the, uh, wow, this is going deep. The, the Versus, Versus System, System card. card. Yep, yeah, I know exactly Which is terrific. About. Yes, he looked great. He looked great. Uh, R.I.P. Tim Sale. Yeah, R.I.P. The, the, the parallel character to Mad Hatter would be Scarecrow. Yes. Right. So these two typically work together in the comics. We see that a lot in the Loeb sale stuff. And in the animated series, they both have plots that involve exactly this. Yeah. Mind control, mind alteration, hallucination. And what's funny is in the case of both, and we'll see that in this episode, Mad as a Hatter as well, they are physically not matched to Batman at all. No. If Batman actually gets to these guys, the, sh- the fight is very short. Yes. They can't actually stand up to him. But... 
in some ways, they're some of his most dangerous villains. Yeah, because, because they're psychological. Exactly. And they take away his ability to reason, Yeah, essentially, or they put him in really compromised situations. So um, I enjoy uh, both of them and how they're portrayed yeah. in the series. But I think yeah. Mad Hatter, they got especially right. Yeah. Um, and I think overall, if we're just comparing those two, the Mad Hatter episodes overall are better than the Scarecrow episodes. Yeah. Even though the Scarecrow episodes are good. Yeah, yeah. And spoiler for later in the series, my favorite episode of Batman the Animated Series is a Mad Hatter episode. Well, there you go. Perchance to Dream yeah. is, in my opinion, the best episode of the entire series. Yeah. But uh, that's not to take away from this one. Mad as a Hatter is a really good episode. Yeah, very good. Um, very, very good. Yeah, I think, you know what? We'll have other things to talk about. Let's just kind of dive in. Let's do it. Okay, this is Season 1, Episode 27, Mad as a Hatter. We get our theme song, we get our title card, and... You know, I, I actually wrote that it was in the style of Victorian artist John Tenniel, but actually, I, Mike, I think you're right. I think this just is John yeah, Tenniel's I think art. Yeah, just his art. And just recolorized. Mm -hmm. But um, you were actually saying the original John Tenniel is actually black and white, so... I think most of it's black and white. I mean, I might be wrong about that. It might always be recolored when okay. they show it in all color, right, right, but right. Okay. all of the art I've seen has been black and white for the most part. Gotcha. Um, okay, so it, it at least looks more like Jervis than it otherwise yes. might normally. Uh, this episode is directed by Frank Power, the powerhouse. The powerhouse. Uh, and written by Paul Dini, which makes this episode automatically, I think, more special. Yeah. Paul Dini has only written a handful of episodes handful that we've that, seen yeah, so far. That we've covered. He so wrote we, Heart of Ice. And Joker's Favor. Yes. So this is, the I think, the third episode we've seen by Paul Dini. Right. So. There may be another one. I'm not going back to check. But the point is, he doesn't write often. No. But we know he is one of the creative heads of the show. So if he's bringing his influence and his talent to a particular episode, you can expect something pretty special. I, and Joker's yeah. Favor and Heart of Ice are both great. Great. Uh, I feel like with Paul Dini... I feel like what he when he writes an episode, it's 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 specifically because he well when he writes an episode rather it's specifically because he wants to. I agree. I feel that way because his episodes are so good and so unique, and give new spins on all of these characters. I agree, and we'll really talk about this at the end. But I yeah. think Paul Dini, I say this with love. I think he really feels for Jervis. Yes, Tesh. I do. I, I think he does have sympathy for this man who does some bad things. Um, all right. Hey, let's take a look at our first scene, scene one. This is the oops, all foreshadowing yep. scene yep, yep, of yep. the episode. So we get some lab mice scurrying around a habitat, and they are each wearing these like little, they look like little bellhop hats, yeah. these uh, sensors on their cute little heads. And we see these enormous hands, uh, puppeteer's hands, uh, setting up a miniature table for tea with a little tea set. And uh, we hear the voice for the first time of Jervis Tetch, Roddy McDowell, uh, lamenting their table manners. <laughs> Perhaps I can make you act a bit more civilized. We hear this jaunty music uh, continuing as uh, Jervis picks up this like red headband with these uh, circuitry pieces inside of it. And it begins to glow as he wears it. And at his very thought, the sensors on the heads of these uh, mice begin to glow, and then the mice uh, seat themselves in an orderly fashion. And the Mad Hatter's theme plays for the first time, as the mice literally like pour tea for themselves in tiny cups from a tiny teapot. It's, it's very cute. Yes. But also very wrong. And very weird. Very weird. Yeah. Mice shouldn't be doing this. No. Um, mice are not meant to do this. And... It's great as a bit of foreshadowing, like, okay, this is the puppet master. Yeah. He's going to make weird shit happen that yeah. should not be happening, mm -hmm. and it's happening against your will. Um, so, a very cool introduction. 
Um, the camera actually pans to Jervis's face through the glass, and oh, that is a face. Oh, that is the all teeth, all nose face. He, he looks like the scarecrow with the mask on. He does. He does. Yeah. That first iteration of scarecrow, particularly the nothing to fear scarecrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got kind of like no neck. Yeah, yeah. Um, like he's just really. He's got that meme face where there's no chin. <laughs> yeah, he's rough looking. Um, crazed eyes. Uh, he actually really resembles the Tenniel drawing. Yeah, like very he really much. looks very like much. him. Um, and again, a parallel to the Scarecrow, who really does resemble Ichabod Crane. Yeah. Uh, you have Jervis Tetch, who really does look like the Tenniel drawing of the Mad Hatter. So that's, you know, there is another similarity there. Um, he breaks into kind of what I think is like a brief villain's monologue, uh, explaining to the viewer that with that headband and the set of electrodes, he can basically control anything. And then, of course... We have the immediate entrance of Alice, who is the beautiful and innocent office assistant who looks like a grown-up version yeah. of Alice from the fairy tale, uh, from the novel, rather. Um, she even wears, like, the sort of headband that I associate with Alice. Um, and uh, Jervis immediately tries to make himself, like, more presentable. He, like, clearly has a crush on her. Um, and she tells him to look busy because Dr. Cates and their boss, Mr. Wayne, is about to come in. Oh, oh man, Dr. Cates... <laughs> what a what a joy kill she is <laughs> this woman um, is not happy <laughs> yeah well what's funny is there is uh and this is a good paul dini thing here just as in alice in wonderland itself where alice imagines these people in her life yeah. in the story yeah. kind of similar to how the wizard of oz goes yeah. in the opening how the farmhands become all the characters in yeah. the book or in the movie um it's like yeah you meet alice that's going to be our alice yep. you meet kate's Oh, she's she looks like the Queen of Hearts. That's yeah. going to be our Queen of Hearts. So it's there's some really good groundwork yeah, here. Yeah, like they're, it's, they're it's clever. Uh, purposely making um, purposely making parallels here. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, so you know, Wayne is eager to see some results on whatever Tetch's experiments have been, but Tetch is like he's fully he covers up the mouse experiment. He puts his back against it. Um, you know. Wayne is ready to see this prototype, and Kate wants Tetch to show him. Uh, but Tetch basically says that the prototype isn't ready yet. He hides the cage from view. Um, and it should be noted that, <laughs> I hope I'm not projecting, Jervis Tetch is, when he's around like Bruce, he's like in fully contrite, like yeah. ultra beta mode. Um, around like the I think the more alpha Wayne what's weird about it though is that like yes Bruce Wayne is clearly like an alpha alpha like right, right. the dude's the size of a truck you know he's, he's Bruce Wayne but like he's so nice so nice he's incredibly nice to Chetch he's, he's like oh well maybe it'll work next time yeah, That's he's great. like an incredibly valuable researcher yeah, thank you so much like Wayne's right. a good guy but um, just to compare them for a moment Bruce Wayne now you really see the animation yeah. here gorgeous the chiseled chin, the broad shoulders, the incredible physique. He's a presence. He walks in. He's easily over six feet tall, yeah. right? Um, and Tetch is the smallest one in the room. He's kind of hunched. He's, yeah. you know, really the opposite of everything you would want to project yeah. in masculine maledom. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the first time we touch on that. Yeah. Is in that scene. Uh Kate's and uh, Wayne are exiting, and that's the first time we see that poster of Alice in Wonderland yep. with Tenniel art on Tetch's, I guess, uh, laboratory wall. Uh, so clearly Tetch is a fan. Big fan. Uh, yeah, uh, to say the least. Dr. Kate's reprimands him. You got off easy this time, Tetch, but heads will roll 
if you slip up again, which is that nice little wink, wink line being yep. like, oh, she's going to be the queen of hearts Off later. Right. Um, so we cut to Alice at the desk. She's pretending to type and we see uh, positioned very prominently. There's a photo of her and her boyfriend. Later, we'll find out his name is Billy and that's on her desk there. She looks in on Jervis, and he exits his laboratory looking pretty dejected. She tries to offer some kind words, and he says, and this like was like already like the first oh no. He says, sometimes, Alice, I think you're the only one who understands me. Oh, yeah. And, and, and like without missing a beat, baby, heartbreak. Yes. You can actually see the moment his heart breaks. Ow! Oh, oh Ralph. I, you choo-choo-choose me, and there's a picture of a train. It's pretty much that. She giggles and she delivers like the classic line that every woman will deliver if you come on a little too strong. She says, that's just what my boyfriend says. Fellas, for the fellas listening, if you're flirting with a girl, you're trying to flirt with a girl, or anything you're saying could even be construed as flirting, and the next thing she does is brings up her husband or her boyfriend, you crossed a line, you may not have meant to cross it, but you just crossed it, and that's the signal you got to pull back. Yeah, pull back. Yeah, pull yourself back. (laughs) You got to get out of there. Okay. Pull, pull it back. Um, I'll try to tuck it back, Big Papa. <laughs> His piece is going to be rubbing up inside your armor. Um, amazing. If anyone's getting these references, gold star for you. Um, Jervis looks menacingly at the red rose and the small vase on her desk. Oh, she's a Beauty and the Beast fan. Um, yeah, that's right. Da, da, da. All right. Uh, Alice goes off to lunch. Jervis Jervis puts on this sort of superficial smile for her, but it crumbles when she walks away. He then looks with real menace towards the picture of Alice and Billy on the desk. And he actually slams it down hard on her desk. We get that close-up of the face-down picture frame. So... This is more than just a crush. Oh, no. This right? Guy, if this you have is, a crush on a girl, you're not slamming down photos of her and her boyfriend. This is, this is infatuation. This is right. this is sick. So this is crossed, crossed over into obsession. And this is what we were discussing earlier. It's like it is that incel yeah. kind of a fixation yeah. on a woman who you cannot have. You yep. develop this unhealthy, toxic thing inside yes. yourself. Yes. Right? He needs help. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> um, okay. We fade to the laboratory later. And Jervis is again wearing the headband. He's using his mice to fetch him some tea. That's the only time I've ever seen tea in uh, anything make someone more angry. Yeah. Yeah, He's sipping his tea, but he's not relaxing. Yeah, it's angry tea. He's got some real rage tea going on. Right. This is rage time. Ragey time tea. Excuse me. Boy, (laughs) I wonder if Celestial Seasons makes that. I I don't think so. Um, We just have the angry bear. I would drink Um, it. I would drink it, too. (laughs) Um, Here's where... (laughs) <laughs> just a bear ripping something apart it's the sleepy time bear fucking ripping off his yeah, pajamas yeah, no hat no hat blood on his fangs yeah um, he's murdered someone here's where we get a little bit of nuance from the character because jervis acknowledges that his feelings for alice yeah, are wrong yeah like if he was already off the cliff into like well she she should love me why does like he feels no entitlement here no he acknowledges his feelings are wrong um I want to mention that we do see, like, chess pieces amidst the book stacks. We're going to see that imagery recur later. Yeah. He sips more of his tea before he just, he flies into a rage because he's trying to convince himself to give up on his dream to be with her. But then suddenly he says, he says, never. never! And then we're like, oh, fuck. Okay, this guy's crazy. Yeah, he's lost okay, his mind. Okay, so he's he's a psycho. Um, oh, great, a lunatic. <laughs> yeah, right. Then he reveals to his mice his grand invention. <laughs> 
circuitry cards powerful enough to control a human brain. And he's, he's speaking out loud, so we get the benefit of what he's thinking, right? He weighs the possibility of mind-controlling Alice into loving him. This is bad. This yes. is basically rape. Yeah, this is uh, right? not 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 good. Not good. Not good. Um, but he does. He's sad about this idea that it would reduce her to a lifeless shell. Yeah, he doesn't want that. Yes. Uh, for folks who saw the movie Don't Worry Darling, right? That is a recent film that kind of like also acknowledged this idea of mm, men obsessed with women. How far is too far with the obsession? Reducing them to a lifeless shell is bad. Bad. Right. So this is a story that it still resonates. We're still having these issues with men that are like this. But I really appreciate the animated series takes the extra step to like show you that he's a human character. Yeah. He's a human person. We should vilify him. And we do. Uh, but there is some humanity to Jervis Tetch, I guess we could say. Okay. Um, suddenly, he hears uh, the sound of uh, some weeping. Uh, there's some crying in the office. And this is coming right on the heels of him deciding that he can't just mind control Alice. Yeah. He's torn about this. It's this conflict that keeps him interesting. Yeah. But then it seems like he won't have to because it turns out what she is crying about is that um, Billy and her had a serious fight. Yeah. And they've broken up. And Dr. Cates is in the office comforting her about it. Tetch is like moving through the office. Oh, curiouser and curiouser, he says, as Alice would say in the novel. And uh, he eavesdrops. He hears that they had a serious fight about the relationship becoming more serious. And it seems like they've broken up. And he literally dances through the lab. Yes. He has just overdosed on joy. I'll show that, Billy. But his joy is short-lived. Again, that nuance comes in. He confronts the Alice in Wonderland poster, which might as well be the image of his own face. He says, what could a beautiful girl like her ever see in someone like me? How could I impress her? He considers the headband and the circuitry cards. How indeed. So he begins to plot. Uh, and then the episode just kind of launches right in. And this is where you see this guy is like fucked in the head. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's messed up. So I will now pretty much refer to Jervis as the Mad Hatter. Yeah, he's really no, he he's up. he's fully gone at this point. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it's we've lost Jervis Tetch. I, the world has lost him. Now Batman's gonna have to hurt him physically yeah, somehow. Absolutely, because um, that's how Batman operates. So Jervis does not appear at Alice's door as himself. He appears as the Mad Hatter, which in is full costume. I'm I'm thinking this is the 1992 equivalent of like the guy putting on his best fedora and his best shimmery <laughs> button shirt with the flames on it. That's right. And popping out his vape. And the best wallet chain. Best wallet chain. Maybe yeah. the flame shoes too. Yeah, I think the flame shoes. Maybe maybe some mall ninja stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, The outfit is really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of all coat. Yeah, it's a lot of it's coat. It's like the jacket is to his knees. It's a big coat. Well, he's a small man. I, right, but he could have gotten a regular sized jacket. He could I have mean, gotten a coat for a smaller man, but he didn't. He got a big coat. I don't know. The costume's pretty inexcusable. The collar's also pretty offensive. Very high. It's a high collar. Yeah. I don't know. And a big hat. Anyway, he doesn't look like a human person. <laughs> I, I don't know. See, the problem... It's a cool outfit, but not for a person. No, that's a... Yeah. It's a fashionable villain outfit. It's a great outfit for a villain. Right. Who's the underworld tailor in all this, by the way? I don't know. We got to meet this guy. Yeah, I want to meet him because his stuff is great. 
I don't know that they're all going to the same guy. Yeah. I think some of them are doing it on their own. Yeah. Like in Spider-Man, we have like the Tinkerer and characters like that who build the gear for the bad guys. But like in Batman, who is it? I forget. There is that guy in DC. There is that guy in DC. But he's not in the animated series. No, he's not. He's not. I forget his name. Anyway, uh, Mad Hatter shows up as Mad Hatter. He tells Alice that he's there to help her get over her recent heartbreak and that Gotham can be a wonderland. She doesn't say no. No, <laughs> but she's like, um, okay, I guess I'll get my coat. Yeah, she says, I'll get my coat, but it's like no enthusiasm. Nah, it's she, like, she don't uh, want it. I'll get my coat? Yeah. Like, it's very like, uh, okay. Uh, I guess we're going out. I Also, at the same time, uh, Gotham is no Wonderland. Oh, if no, anything, Gotham not. is Murderland. You're going to get mugged, yeah, which you, they do. Which happens. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll get my coat. I don't know. She, she should have just said no. Yeah. Not that it's her fault, but like it's already bad. No, nah, yeah. You, know, you first of all, you work with this guy, right? Yeah. You work with this guy. You've seen him at work. He's nice to you. Okay, cool. Then he shows up at your house dressed like a Lewis Carroll character. The red flag's got to be going off. Sure. Um, I'm think, not blaming her. No, but definitely not. This happens to women like oh, this yeah. who are just nice to these guys, and, it, and it's terrifying, right? And they take any like nicety as like some kind of validation of course which it isn't it's not it's not a validation of their romantic feelings at no. all it's just like this nice person is nice to you they're nice to everybody yeah and this guy like jervis here just takes advantage of that yes and and he's a creep he's a creep um but we get a shot of the batmobile racing through the streets two thugs conveniently wearing headbands uh point out that the bat creep is just passing by he is the bat creep uh, before they spot some easy money heading their way we see alice and the mad hatter getting out of a handsome cab this one handsome or a, cab. A, a carriage i guess this one handsome cab uh, it's very handsome very. um <laughs> alice and jervis have a brief conversation she's very surprised by the change in him because he's so quiet at work and Jervis expounds that he believes that one should take what they want from life. Oh, that sounds that's that sounds healthy. Right. It's a nice cue for our thugs, too. But that's the thing. It's just like, well, I believe I should take what I want from life is not a good philosophy to have in romance. No. Um, and it actually is more akin to what the thugs are about to try to do to them, which is basically to rob them. Of course. Okay. Okay, Mr. Hat, <laughs> let's have the money. Just some good old thug work. So Jervis defends Alice, and she tries to stop him because she's like, oh, God, Jervis, you're like five feet tall. What are you going to do against these guys? Oh, I can face myself. It's like, yeah, okay, dude. (laughs) Um, Obviously, he's going to get hurt, but you know what? He allows himself to be taken, and somehow he deftly manages to kind of flick the circuitry cards out of his sleeves and put those circuitry cards into those very convenient headbands that these guys are wearing. I have a question, Mike. What if these guys weren't wearing any hats? I don't know. They'd be in trouble. He would be in some trouble. They certainly wouldn't be mad. You'd have to really get it behind the ear. You would have to get another hat. He, everyone can't in this, walk around with hats. Everyone in this episode. Well, everyone in this episode's wearing a hat. They are. There's a lot of hats. Yeah, Bruce Wayne's not wearing a hat. No, he's wearing. Yeah, he's Batman. <laughs> <laughs> how how different is the cowl from a hat? It's basically a hat. It's a hat. It's a hat. Um. All right. So Mad Hatter. Uh. You know. Puts the cards on these guys. He tells them to go jump in the river, which then they proceed to literally do, right? Because we fade next to the Batmobile racing down the streets. We cut to Batman inside. Alfred's on the computer screen, hoping that it's going to be an early evening, but the police emergency ban switches on. Then I'll prepare your usual breakfast, toast, coffee, bandages. It got me a laugh. 
Oh, Alfred, he's so he's so sassy. He's sassy. Um, the police band notifies Batman of two possible suicides scaling the Gotham Bridge in a kid's cartoon. We're just going to throw some suicide out there for you. Sure. And the car, you're like holding your face in your hands. Yeah, suicide. I mean, they just say it. Hey, we got a couple of suicides. <laughs> it's Gotham City. Yeah, uh, some guys, they're just going to unalive themselves over at the Gotham Bridge. Yeah, you better watch out. And Batman's like, oh, oh more suicides. Uh, the show is rated G. All right. Uh, so the car speeds off then towards the bridge. So on the bridge, it is the two thugs from earlier literally scaling the towers of the suspension bridge, preparing to jump themselves into the Gotham River and kill themselves. Yep. Um, the tires screech. This is the first time we've seen this gadget, I think, right? I think so. So it's like the ejection seat yeah. and jetpack, which, like, first, like, the Batmobile provides with these really cool goggles that, like, determine the ejection landing point. Let me tell you, it's pretty great. It's pretty great. I want it. I want it. Yeah. Um. And then the seat like ejects him with a jetpack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To exactly where he has determined he's going to land. Batman continuing to t- prove to all of us that he's a toy. It is. I mean, and this is absolutely like a where does he get these wonderful yeah. toys moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, well, he never had a childhood. His Batman parents were killed. Was that his parents were killed? In Let an him alleyway. have the toys. He had no childhood. Let him have the this toys. This is his childhood. It is. He's dressing up at, like it's Halloween every day, beating people up, and having every toy he wants because he's a super billionaire. It's not a healthy coping mechanism, but he has too much money for us to stop. Yeah, whatever we're going to do. All right. Um, Batman actually has kind of a sense of humor when he confronts these guys. I think he says something like, not a great time for a swim, fellas. (laughs) It's like, that's the line. Oh, Batman, what are you doing? Um, And then (laughs) they literally say, orders from Mr. Hat. (laughs) Like Like the orders are absolute. And zombie, like, they still just try to jump into the water with Batman trying to stop them, but they... They take him down with them yeah. as they jump. Yeah. Um, and we cut right to like that commercial break there. Gotta love it. Back from the break, we get a long shot of these guys falling from the bridge. And then we get the other really great Batman toy in this episode, which is from his belt, he launches like glider wings for himself that look like it. bat wings. They're awesome. I love when he does stuff like this. Yeah, we haven't really seen those nah, either. No, nah, these are new too. Also a new toy. Uh, anyway, he grabs these guys. He uses the the wing glider to glide them down to the bridge. And um, at that point, um, we uh, have the thugs that come to their senses, and Batman examines the circuitry card yeah. that has come from them. Yeah. Uh, we get an establishing shot then of the Beret Rouge Club, the Red, Red Hat, Hat Club, right? Okay, Mad Hatter episode. Inside, Hat. Alice and the Mad Hatter are at dinner. We see both that the chef and one of the servers have been controlled by him. You can see the incredibly visible cards behind their ears. Yeah. All the cards, by the way, read uh, 10 over 6, yep. the fraction, which is the same fraction from uh, the Alice in Wonderland yes. artwork we keep seeing. Yes. I think the Mad Hatter's hat actually says, in this style, 10 over 6. I think so. Yeah. Um, so we just keep seeing that over and over. Um, the chef says he's going to prepare a special menu for Mr. Tetch. Anything, yes, for you. Uh, the server takes their picture for their celebrity wall, and Alice actually genuinely seems impressed. Did you catch this moment? He takes her hand, yeah. and she pulls it back. Yeah. She recoils from She's him. She's like, ah, uh, no thanks. But that moment is really brief, and it's saved. The moment is saved by like mind control violinists yep. come over to play at their table. Uh, next, we fade across the city at night and close in on Storybook Land, a place that sounds like a supervillain will live there yeah, we in should, Gotham City. we should have closed it. Should have been closed. You know Joker's going to move in there next oh. week anyway. 
Alice and Jervis are walking up to it, and the mind control security guards reminds Mr. Tetch to lock up when he's done. And of course, inside Storybook Land, we see a section that is reserved specifically for Alice in Wonderland. We see the, the title on the, uh, the gates there. And the Mad Hatter is luxuriating in the shadow of the caterpillar on his mushroom, and he sings some of the Mock Turtle song, Will You, Won't You, before inviting Alice to dance with him. And then they waltz together through these giant flowers, and Alice's expression here is, it's not happy. No. She's a little alarmed. I don't think alarmed enough. No, I think she's she doesn't realize she what what danger she's potentially in here. Right, or if she is, I told myself this, maybe she's just trying to play it off. Yeah, yeah. Like, just, all right, uh, yeah, yeah, my coworker clearly has a crush on me, but it's, uh, I'm just going to kind of go along with it. Yeah. Also, she's dealing with a traumatic event. Right. She had a boyfriend. She's, you know, with her with her, her partner who, obviously, they are having problems on where they see the future of their relationship, which maybe she thought it was going to go further and he didn't. Right. So, I mean, to have a relationship end and then all of a sudden this lunatic show up to take sure. it to storybook land. <laughs> right. You know, maybe you're a little, maybe you're, maybe, uh, you know, maybe you're not all... Maybe you're not thinking and firing in all, all cylinders. Maybe Absolutely. you're dealing with some stuff. Maybe you're unpacking a few things mentally, yeah. right? And mine We've all been there. We've been there. Not mine... storybook land, but... Mm, well, <laughs> some of us. Uh, mind control aside, um, Mad Hatter is also really preying on her vulnerability. Of course he is. Right? Jervis is. It's That's like, all right, up. yeah, let me go hit up this girl whose boyfriend of probably a long time just left her. Yeah. Like, you know, first of all... That's not a good time to pick up a girl. First of all, it's a bad move. That's right. a, that's Creep Town. Right. You're like, now to... is my chance. Like I, I'm sure you like even under normal circumstances, sure you can express interest, but there's a time and a place, hey, and man, there's an appropriate period of waiting. You got it. You got to give it some time. Got to give it some time. Got to give it some time. You know. You know. Three days. But again, <laughs> three days. But again, this guy's a psychopath. Well, so he's a lunatic. So that's yeah. not going to happen. Um. Yeah, so we cut to the Batcave. Batman's examining the circuitry card, and Alfred, of course, recognized that 10 over 6 card itself as belonging to the Mad Hatter in the classic Tenniel Wonderland artwork. He displays the book for Batman to see. Batman realizes that he saw that same picture, which I think is the cover art, by the way, uh, earlier that day, and he strokes his chin and he thinks of Jervis Tech. Gotta love Batman stroking that chin. Stroking that detective chin. Do you think, um, do you think, Alfred is a uh, is a fan of old English literature. I mean, yeah, yeah, right. I think he's required to be. I think he has to be. He also prefers his um, his fireplace to the television. I'd say that's true. He's simple. He's a he's simple. A simple man. He's a country English chap. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> what are we even saying? Um, <laughs> we cut to the Mad Hatter dropping Alice off at her apartment building. She clearly tells him that he's a oh. wonderful friend. Yeah. Friend. friend, but he doesn't pick up on the hint. Kissing her hand and promising her never-ending tomorrows, joyous, he dances away. She says <laughs> to us, what a sweet, funny man. Uh, she shrugs and enters the apartment, and then here's the moment. Handsome, beautiful beau Billy is waiting for her. He's contrite with another red rose, and she leaps into his arms, and the music swells, yeah. right? Now, we should discuss this. Billy looks exactly as you imagine the guy this girl yeah. would be with looks. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm taking Jervis Tetch's side here. No. I want to be clear. Everything Jervis Tetch does in this episode is bad. Bad. Very bad. And wrong. 
But there is also this, almost like a query that Paul Dini puts out there in the script of this episode, where it's like, are we comfortable that that is who we assumed she would be with? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Not that she should be with somebody who is like Jervis Tetch or looks like Jervis Tetch, but it's like, okay, do all good-looking people have to be with other good-looking people? You know, uh, and if there is someone out there for Jervis Tetch, like, how does he find this person? Mm -hmm. You know, who does he deserve? Does the word deserve even play into this? You know, and this is kind of the deeper conversation that the episode opens up. It's like, okay, let's look at... I think first let me say this, and I, I didn't mean to get deep in the middle of the episode That's here, fine. in the middle of the synopsis, but it's like every man, or I should say every man who is not born with like beautiful genetics, right, has been in Jervis Tetch's position before. You hopefully did not do what Jervis Tetch does in this episode and really fucking scare a girl, right? Um, but we've all kind of been in a place. I know I've been here, so I'll speak from personal yeah, experience. Yeah, though I, yeah. won't, I won't put words in your mouth, Mike. Yeah. But I've certainly been in a place where I've been like, uh, I did not win the genetic lottery, right? Not traditionally handsome. I'm short. Uh, I'm out of shape. Who the fuck is going to want to be with me, right? And you have these thoughts. Mm-hmm. And it's not the same for every man. Maybe for some people, it's like, well, I'm, I'm economically disadvantaged in some way. Mm-hmm. Or I have a something physical wrong with me, something medically wrong with me, right? And you think, who's ever going to want to be with me when they could be with someone like Billy? Yeah. Right? And the Billy in this episode is, he's like a Bruce Wayne type. Yeah. He's tall, handsome, uh, tall, dark, literally tall, dark, and handsome, right? He literally looks like the opposite of Jervis Tetch. Mm -hmm. Um, And you feel, at least as a male viewer, you kind of feel for the guy. You're like, okay, yeah, what do those people do? And not that they're entitled to someone no, like Alice. No. That's wrong. Yeah. But it is kind of like, hmm, yeah, fuck. It was hard for those folks back then, too. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's unique to men. Uh, it I isn't think, unique I think to men, but this there. episode has the male yes, perspective this of is it. the male perspective of it. And, and obviously, like you said, everything Jervis Tetch does in this episode is wrong. Um, but I think we've all been there. We've all been there. We've all felt like undesirable untouchable um right you know uh you know it's 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 very difficult it's a it's a it's a hard thing to go through yeah um and it's one of those situations where when you're in those situations and when you feel that way it's like the 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 reaction you get the feeling you have is like no one will love me right and that's where he is right now there's different ways to go about dealing with that problem. Uh, I would suggest most people should probably go to therapy and not turn into a supervillain. <laughs> Correct. Um, we, also, we, we do agree Jervis Tetch is wrong. Yes, he's very, I'm very, just very, saying, very wrong. In terms of like Paul Dini making him relatable. Yeah. He's, there's, there is he's re- relatable. It's relatable there. Um, yeah. What, it's, it's, he's unrelatable in, the, in his reaction. He's unrelatable in his reaction mm-hmm. and his methods, of exactly. course. But he's very relatable in terms of where he's coming from. Exactly. Because every, and again, this episode is a very male perspective. Of course. Um, many of us have been there. Of course. Right? I would say we've all been there. 
Everyone. But right. I mean, every every guy. There are some men who are genetically predispositioned in terms of like attractiveness, right? Sure. There are not? guys who are taller, better looking, yeah, of course. athletic, whatever, etc. Um, they've probably experienced it less. But I think feeling unwanted is a universal feeling. I think so. I think so. Right. And the fear of being unwanted is right. also very real. So Dini taps into that yes. for sure. Um, so yeah, Billy uh, shows up. He's he's there. So immediately after this quote unquote date with Jervis, um, Billy is waiting in her uh, sort of entry room with another red rose and she leaps into his arms and the music sort of swells. Mm-hmm. And they kind of look like the typical beautiful people couple right she's like yeah. this little petite blonde with a small waist he's like the big dashing dark-haired guy and you're like all right that looks correct yeah but we can reflect a little bit that that is sad that that is what is quote unquote correct, correct. um we cut back to the office the following day and this is how we know he's off the fucking rails because he enters wearing the same full mad hatter outfit yes and it's like to work good lord with a bouquet of roses he sees then that billy's picture is back upright and a new rose is there on the desk and his joy is cut off immediately alice enters hugging him she's thanking him for cheering her up last night she reveals the happy news billy and alice have gotten back together and he has asked her to marry him and the expression on jervis's face is so comically miserable he bites his lip bitterly he squeezes the bouquet of roses so hard that the thorns actually draw blood from his hand which draw blood yeah which actually then uh, uh drops onto billy's face in the picture um he offers this half-hearted congratulations and you see he actually reverts to the former version of yeah. himself yeah he's back you know, he's, he doesn't have like that f- big forward pr- he's like oh yes congratulations he just like totally wilts and he takes refuge in the lab. Inside the lab, then, though, Jervis rages. I can still fix this. I can still win. And his mantra is building. And unfortunately, Dr. Cates then enters fuming because Wayne wants to see him now. And, of course, we know as the viewer, because he's, he's bad, bad man. man. <laughs> <laughs> um, she threatens him, but and then here's the moment where it all really gets fucked. He silences her with a card. Yeah. And now we know he's committed to just being a fucking madman. Well, here comes Batman. Yeah. Batman knocking down Bat- his door. Batman's going to break some arms. Um, yep. Later, Alice is at her desk. She's typing happily, uh, looking at her engagement ring. Seems to be a nice big diamond. Bruce Wayne enters, looking for Marsha and Jervis Tetch, but Alice tells him that they left together half an hour ago. He looks puzzled. He already knows that that doesn't sound right. Uh, the phone rings, and Alice identifies the voice as Billy, her fiancé. Uh, Bruce gives this like, very sweet, like, oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very cute. Um, shortly after, Alice then erupts into sobs. Billy apparently has called off their engagement over the phone, and Bruce gives this, like, repulsed expression, like, what the fuck has happened? Oh, he knows. He knows. A quick shot <laughs> of the know. Mad Hatter. What's that? He's definitely, he's like, it's time to beat some people. Yeah, he's like, I gotta go be Batman. <laughs> Um, we get a quick shot of the Mad Hatter at Billy's side. Um, clearly he manipulated Billy into saying all that. All's fair in love and war, he comments. Um, later, a crushed Alice, uh, is just kind of walking to her apartment building. She's, like, slumped. Um, she enters to find a room full of flowers, probably meant to, uh, meant to, like, remind her of the giant flowers that she was dancing with, uh, with Jervis the previous evening. She pulls up a flower, and I've never forgotten this moment, that the Mad Hatter's just hideous face just kind of pops up where the flower was, and she, like, shrieks. 
Um, yeah, it's terrifying. And uh, somehow the Mad Hatter, you know, he's like presenting himself to her as a suitor. And he somehow already knows that Billy called off the engagement, even though she acknowledges like, I didn't tell anyone that. How would you know? This is already suspicious. And basically he's like, oh, pish tosh. It doesn't matter. We'll be together forever. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. His brain that, is outside of his body. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, and then suddenly Batman appears. That's right. He's just there in the flowers. <laughs> I love anytime batman shows up unexpectedly it's great it's great because all of a sudden it's like how'd you get here yeah and then this is getting too weird exclaims alice um yeah imagine imagine walking home after your fiance just broke off your engagement right to see this creep (laughs) with a bunch of flowers and then batman yeah yeah uh so uh, batman confronts tetch with questions about marcia cates and about billy and the Mad Hatter responds by unleashing. This was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, these were what we refer to as heavy hitter goons. Yeah. Right? Specifically, they are two guys dressed as the walrus and the carpenter. Were these the two guys that he made try to jump off the bridge? They actually don't make that explicit, but I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think these are the two thugs from earlier, but uh, let's assume that's the case. I think Batman would have a pretty good job against the walrus and a carpenter. I Yeah. I mean, he does pretty well. I think he'd do all right. Wait, a real walrus yeah, and a real so. carpenter? A, I don't know. Real real walrus right. is hard to beat. Real carpenter is whatever. Like, that's just a guy. Fighting A man fighting a walrus is difficult. I don't know. Batman. Uh, Batman fighting a walrus, I guess he would do okay. Yeah, he would, he would right. find the walrus's weakness. Yeah, okay, he'd punch him in the teeth. <laughs> I don't think they're vulnerable there. Doesn't matter. I see right. Tusk. Okay. Well, while Batman is fighting with the henchman, the Mad Hatter slips a circuitry card into Alice's hair and sweeps Great. her off her feet. I didn't want it to be this way, he laments. Well, then don't fucking do it, dude. Yeah. Uh, Batman does have to fight these guys. It's actually a really good fight. Yeah. And you're like, why are they so strong? They're, so, maybe, they're maybe, beastly do strong. Do you think maybe it's because they have those cards in their head and they have no, they're, they're, their muscles no longer respond to like pain? So I think so. And actually, Tetch says as much later. Yeah. He says, my mind control cards make give them super strength or give them strength well, or whatever. Because it's gotta, probably because they have no, inhibitor, no yeah, inhibitors anymore. Yeah, there's no inhibitor and they don't realize that they're causing themselves massive amounts of pain because they're under mental control. Sure. Or maybe it's affecting the part of, body, yeah. part, part of the body that produces adrenaline. Yeah. Or they have no yeah. fear. No. I mean, they're just going to throw everything they have. Um, so, yeah, Batman defeats these guys. It does take him a bit, though. Like, they're tough. Um... And then he removes the card from the walrus and discovers that the card is the property of Storybook Land. This is the only thing that sucks in this episode. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that is too convenient. There's no reason why that card would belong to Storybook of Land. Of course not. And there's no reason why the Mad Hatter would want Batman there. Yeah. Like, he's not inviting him for no. a final confrontation. No. He was hoping these guys would kill him. Yeah. Um. So we could file that under too convenient. Paul we, Dini is better than this, but also it's a 22-minute episode. You have to why. get him there somehow. And I will tell you this much. First and foremost, if anyone tries to kill Batman, they lose. Correct. Except, you know, even the man who killed Batman. I don't know that the Mad Hatter knows that. No, not yet. But of course, Batman is is already established. Like, yeah. uh, the thugs even said earlier, though, that's that bat creep. So, like, yeah. people know not to fuck with him, but yeah. I don't know if the Mad Hatter knows. Yeah. Um, all right, we pan across Storybook Land after dark. Uh, this is going to be our final sort of uh, location. Batman's flashlight is scanning over familiar characters from the novel. We see a Joker-ish gesture yeah. statue yeah, 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 welcoming yeah. him to the Wonderland card maze. That's got to be awful. Like, <laughs> how? Like every time Batman does anything, there's definitely some reminder of the Joker. Because sure. he's just a clown. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or but Jester. also, why would you allow that statue to be built in Gotham? <laughs> you know, you're just inviting the Joker to come show up from Arkham Asylum. As mentioned earlier in previous episodes, all carnivals, circuses, toy factories, all that shit's got to be shut down. What was the name of their fake business? Oh, uh, it was like laughing clown something or other. Yeah, yeah. Was, that was not exactly right. I don't know. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Crazy clown catering. Crazy clown catering. And then to quote Amanda, a real business. <laughs> um, we hear Mad Hatter doing twinkle, twinkle, little bat. How I wonder what you're at. Right, Which now, he actually says in the in the novel, I think. You're, I, 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 listen. Or the uh, Dormouse. I don't, I, I don't like, uh, I don't like a bully. Um, but man, it would have been nice to see Jervis Tess just get cold clocked. <laughs> what, he for says doing that. the rhyme? Yeah, yeah. Just the, sec- the second after he rhymes, if you saw Batman, <laughs> just deck him right in the face. That is definitely what happens in like those um, Tim Sale, oh, yeah. um, Jeff Loeb he, things. He like Batman so- defeats Mad Hatter and, and just, Scarecrow incredibly quickly. It's just, just like after he's like, oh, I'm going to get you, Batman. Boom. <laughs> Boom. But you know what I do like? That they don't turn Batman into the alpha male bully in this. No, he they don't. He initially was very nice to him. Yes, incredibly nice. But even like when dealing with him later, they don't just have him beat him up. No, right? Yeah, it's it, Batman does get physical with him, but it's not like a beatdown. No, it's not yeah. a beatdown. Like Batman could have easily just wailed on this guy. Sure. Um. Yeah. So the Mad Hatter is is calling out this menacing nursery rhyme at Batman, and Batman enters a, a field that is a giant chessboard, as in the chessboard from Through the Looking Glass, which is very cool. Yeah, so on one side, up on a little platform, stands Mad Hatter, and now Alice, who he has costumed as Alice. Yep. Uh, which is really fucking creepy. So at some point, he undressed this poor girl and yeah. put her in this costume, yeah, this is, right? It's getting, it's going, it's, it's, it had gone too far on the fake date. Yeah. Now it's gone incredibly too far. This man has crossed about a county's worth of lines. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, now we see that there's several more goons populating the enemy side of the chessboard, including the Cheshire Cat, the White Rabbit, uh, the Frog, and the Griffin. Uh, and of course, Marsha Cates is now the Queen of Hearts. Yes. I had a moment where I thought, too, oh, Mad Hatter's smile, oh, that creepy yeah. big tooth smile yeah. he has, it's actually more of a Cheshire Cat It is smile. very, very, very much a Cheshire Cat. And I think that's kind of a light reference to the Disney Cheshire Cat. Yeah. Or even to the one from the Tenniel drawing, because um, that big crescent moon smile that Tetch has is very much the classic. Cheshire Cat And smile. also, to be fair, I mean, the Alice in Wonderland animated movie is a classic at this point. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Even at the point of Batman, the animated series is probably, what, like 30 years old? Right. It's a, it's an it's an animated classic. It's probably what we all see and think when we think of Alice in Wonderland. Right. And there's a little bit of the visual reference of the Edwin. Yeah, of uh, course. Uh, Mad Hatter yeah. as well. Um, you wouldn't yeah. hit a guy with glasses, would you? <laughs> so, <laughs> Batman has a challenge here because he can't really hurt these people because they are, they're not supervillains. They're mind-warped citizens. Yeah. And Mad Hatter acknowledges this. Um, he also tells Batman, here, here it is, Mike. He tells uh, Batman that his control over his pawns uh, increases their strength. So, it's a good sequence. Yeah, great. Batman does his best to neutralize these threats. He gets the axe away from the Queen of Hearts. He throws a smoke bomb. Finally, he removes the frog's head, and we, we see that it's Billy. Yeah. And he removes Billy's circuitry card, and Batman deduces that the mind-controlled thugs, are, are they're mind-controlled to hurt Batman. Yeah. So Billy can then spend his time freeing everybody else yeah. from the mind-control, which he does. Yeah. Mad Hatter sees that things are not going well. He flees with Alice. 
but he grabs the queen's axe along the way as he heads to the card maze. Yeah. Final scene, we get this amazing visual. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, dramatic music swell as Batman enters the card maze, but then immediately we go overhead to see Mad Hatter and Alice going one way in the maze and Batman going the other, it. and it looks gorgeous. So cool. It's really, really nicely done. Jervis also has this control box. Uh, he has control of the maze itself, and he can kind of lock card corridors and move cards around. He quickly like bends, uh, pens Batman in and taunts him. Uh, telling him that in Wonderland, the Mad Hatter reigns supreme. Which, which isn't true. It's not. He's not no, Not remotely the character no, in charge no, in the novel. No, not at all. Um, Batman does the same thing he does yep. in a later Riddler episode, yep. where he just is like, ah, fuck the maze. He just <laughs> jumps on top of it. This is when the D&D party outthinks your puzzle. Right. It's like, yeah, it. we're not going to do the maze. We're yeah, just gonna, we're just going to bash this wall top. down. We're just going to fly over yeah, the yeah, maze. Yeah, we'll fly. Um... So, yeah, uh, Batman just kind of runs along the top of the maze. Um, Atech tries to trip him up. It doesn't really work. They tussle. Batman tosses the guy like a fucking napkin because yeah. there's not a physical threat in Tetch. During their confrontation, Tetch says, these words are heartbreaking. He's waited his whole lonely life for her. Now, yes, but, like, he can't have known this girl that long. No. So this obsession is not necessarily just with the human being. So this no, guy it's has so crossed, rooted in self-pity. This, yeah. But no, but this guy has crossed over into yet another side of, of the of incel, incel nerddom. Yeah. All right. We're going to go on a limb here. All right. Mm-hmm. In this day and age, we refer to this as waifuism. Okay, yeah. Jervis touches. You should in, explain what that is uh, okay. for our uh, All right. listeners so, who don't mind. For those of you who haven't spent corners on this part of the internet, and and um, it's a dark corner. It can be, but it's also there's a part of it that's a joke. Okay, and it is sarcastic and funny, and there's a part of it that is not um, funny, sad. Yeah. Um. So uh, some of these incel folks, uh, and this is thirty years old now. So this this wasn't a thing then, but some of these folks on the incel side of things. Um, so this originally stems from otaku and gamer fans, mm-hmm. uh, game video game fans. Um, the term waifu is a fake Jap- Japanese pronunciation of the English word wife. Now mm-hmm. in Japan, when you say that you're married to a woman, you know, or you know, your wife is not a waifu, right? They, that's not a thing, all right? So in Japanese, <laughs> as someone who speaks uh, some Japanese, now... Um, so what is the culture surrounding this? So the, the culture the surrounding... online nerd culture. In gamer culture and otaku culture, anime culture, a lot of times they would refer to... You refer to these these characters, um, you know, jokingly as a waifu. Pretty right, much a okay. woman would be referred to as a waifu. A man in anime would be referred to as a husbando. And it's a, a character you're obsessed with. It's a it's a it's a it's a character that you're obsessed with to a degree, but most of the time it's just a joke. Okay, so for him, it's Alice. For him, his waifu is Alice. But there are folks on the internet who actually take this seriously and actually do feel that they're in a relationship with these fictional characters. Mm. And it's far, it's more than like, oh yeah, I, I follow this cosplayer. It's more than that. It's like they are obsessed with the character to the point where like, no, the cosplayer is not her mm-hmm. or the cosplayer is not him. So Jervis isn't obsessed with this girl he works with, even though he is. It's not just that. He's okay. obsessed with the character Alice. And that's why he says, in my opinion, I waited my whole life for this. Okay. I agree with you. So we're getting waifuism here. We're getting you know this kind of incel behavior and this is actually seen 
unfortunately, quite regularly on some corners of the internet. Yeah, it is sad. It's also pitiful. Yes. Uh, and, and he is very much a self-pitying character. This line is so full of self-pity. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, uh, you know, you still feel bad for him a little bit. Yeah. Um, so uh, Batman has a very appropriate response. He, he points out, he's like, she's a puppet. Yeah. You know, you turned her into a, a soulless doll. Yeah. But Tetch, like many men, yeah, who are like this, is unable to accept blame here. Yeah, yep. And instead, he projects it onto Batman. Yeah, you made me do this to her. Is is what he says. That's the actual line. Yeah. So he attacks. Batman literally kicks the table out from under him, and he goes flying further into the maze. He still got the axe, by the way. Yep. Batman pursues, but Tetch smartly pushes the heavy cards down on him in such a way where Mad Hatter actually is. He runs up the ramp of the cards. He's about to land the decapitating killing blow on yeah. Batman. So actually, it gets pretty close. Uh, exactly. Batman deftly throws a batarang at this huge hanging statue of the Jabberwocky, uh, and it crushes Tetch beneath its claws, not killing him, just trapping him. That's important. Mm-hmm. His top hat rolls away, and of course, then he can no longer control anyone. Batman crushes the headband that's inside. Billy comes to Alice's aid, removing her headband, and she sees him full of joy. Oh, Billy. And she leaps again into his arms, and painfully, Jervis is forced to watch their reunion. Yeah. And then in this sing-song way, he picks up the Mock Turtles song again. Would not, could not, would not, could not join the dance. Um, and he buries his face in the ground. Um, that would be enough for a pitiful ending, but then Paul Dini puts a little extra on it and asks us in a weird way to have sympathy for this man because the final image of the episode isn't even Jervis with his face buried. It's a close-up on the statue of the mock turtle yeah. Yeah. who is crying. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. that's the note that the episode ends on yeah the show for children by the way yeah this is a heavy episode man yeah so my question for you and i think i'm asking myself at the same time it's like what did paul dini want the takeaway for that moment to be because it's it can't just be as simple as it is like oh how sad yeah right it's like okay he's crushed under the jabberwocky his punishment is that he's forced to see the girl that certainly he thinks he loves be with her fiance and then we close up on the mock turtle crying what's going on here you know i don't know okay um i'm not 100 percent sure um i, I don't, think it's open to interpretation i, think I don't think is. it's any I think one it is. thing i don't think i don't know alice in wonderland well enough like i don't know the mock turtle super well as a character but i think it might be more important that the character is crying, crying. Than, than it's the mock turtle well you know what I what's mean? the mock turtle's relationship to the mad hatter in the book None. None. They actually don't meet in the book. Okay, so okay, so that's one thing. Because, like, you know, could it be that the Mock Turtle said, because Alice was removed from Wonderland, that she okay. can't join them sure. in the quote-unquote dance? dance? Maybe that's it. Maybe that this is... that's valid, sure. It's valid. It's, you know, maybe it's part of, you know, Jervis's fantasy has been crushed. Right. Uh, to the point where he's... N- None of this is is going to work. This isn't actually Wonderland. This is Gotham City, and you just got bested by Batman for being a creep. It could be that. Um, I do think that, you know, Paul Dini. I don't know if he wants you to feel for Jervis Tetch, but I definitely think he. I I think I definitely think he wants to, um, just paint how 
miserable and sad his whole existence is. Yeah, I get it. Um, not that any of those things are good uh, or valid in any way, but yet, yeah, there is a sadness that he can't ever be happy in that way. Yeah. And that there are people who can never be happy in that way. That yeah. you can have a dream, and yeah. your dream can be a great romance, and you forever, as he is trapped under that Jabberwocky statue, you are forever forced, or seemingly forced, yeah. to always be a bystander mm -hmm. in someone else's romantic story. Mm -hmm. You can see it in movies, you can read it in books, you could see it in a stage play, you could see other beautiful people in your life falling in love and getting it together, but it will never be you. Yeah. Um, well, it's the, and, yeah. and I think that is, that is maybe what the mock turtle is so sad about in this Possibly. moment. Yeah. You know, but, but the other way to look at it is like, you know, Jervis does nothing to uplift himself. No. He's clearly a brilliant scientist. Yeah. Why couldn't he have pursued that? Uh, I guess that, that wasn't enough for him. Maybe that was his tragedy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's also not having the coping mechanisms mm -hmm. for these things. Right. I mean, and uh, what if your coping mechanism is reading Alice in Wonderland? Right. Or what if your coping mechanism is to go out and manipulate a bunch of people? Yeah. Right. And commit yeah. crime. Not healthy. Uh, you know, we have a really wonderful, fictionalized, almost silly version of it with this episode. Yep. But really awful shit happens to people because of stuff like this. You know, because we live in this society of winners and losers. Yeah. You know. And also, um, in this episode, Jervis's fantasy is that he will win Alice over by creating Wonderland. Right. In real life, the fantasy goes from this perfect romance to vigilantism or whatever, whatever the, not visual, what, what these, what these, that's not the right word. Um, this fantasy goes from this kind of romance that they expect to um, like super villainy. Right? right, it's like these folks too that happen to this in the real world also turn into in their own mind supervillains. They do. Some of them become homicidal, which homicidal is what maniacs. Jervis Tetch is in this yes. episode. I mean, mm -hmm. he intends to kill yes. in this episode, yes. and he doesn't care who dies. No. Um, he's going to chop off Batman's head at one point. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's not it's, it's not healthy. It's, the episode shows you how unhealthy it is, and yet Deanie creates a script where it's like he still is a nuanced villain. Yes, of There's course. There's humanity course. to him. And I think ultimately in the end, it's funny how relevant this episode is now. Right. Um, probably unintentionally. Even, but maybe not. You know, guys like Paul Dini, who are these nerdy comic book writers and comic book folks and fans and stuff, probably had conversations with people like this in the 70s and 80s. And, you know, it wasn't broadcast to everyone because there was no Reddit. Right? Yeah. So... Uh, any additional closing thoughts? I think we did a pretty good job there. Nah, man. I think this episode is great. I think it's sad. I think it's scary. I think it's powerful and heavy, especially for a kid's show. I agree. Um, I think it's a powerful, mm -hmm. uh, artful episode. Mm -hmm. Clearly, it brings up good conversations yeah. about obsession, possession, control, yeah. um, men and women, gender roles. Yeah. Um, certainly leaves a lasting impression. And frankly, gives Mad Hatter one of the best villain debuts in the entire series. I agree fully. Uh, really good. In terms of ranking, I think it might just miss my top 20. Yeah. It might be in there. I don't think so. Uh, but it's really fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about for you? Uh, I think... I think it seems about right. Okay. Uh, I think it's a, it's, a top, it's a top 20. I think it's just out of the top 25. Okay. 
Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think I really there are other better good. episodes, but when people ask, like, what are some of the best episodes in the series, this is a, a perfectly yeah, legitimate title to bring we, up. It's yeah. definitely one we'd have to talk about. For sure. Okay. Well, I think we're going to wrap up. Yeah. Um, listen, folks, thank you for joining us. This was the Batman Tasticast for Mike Staub. I'm Jordan Hugh. Thank you, and see you next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Batman Tasticast. If you want to follow the show, you can find us on social media by searching out Batman Tasticast across the board. Also, if you want to share this with your friends, leave a comment, like, subscribe, give us a rating. That helps the podcast be that much more visible so that we can do more fun and cool stuff like this. And until next time, watch some Batman.